0: So guys, welcome to my show, Startup Yoga with Parthi. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Shri Rubinson. Known as the queen of community, Sri is a corporate lawyer turned entrepreneur. Experienced in building businesses, raising capital, and mentoring women along their business journey. Sri is the founder of One Roof, a well-known digital membership and professional network for women leaders and entrepreneurs. So welcome to the show, Shree.
1: Thanks, Bharti. It's, it's wonderful to be here.
0: So this was a very short intro from my side. Why don't you tell our viewers um, a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So I am a corporate lawyer turned entrepreneur, as you said. Um, I didn't really last long in uh, my corporate uh, legal career. Uh, it was only a couple of years before I decided to follow my passion Um, which was really wanting to close the gender gap in business and entrepreneurship. Um, It just became very obvious to me um, that there were big issues, big gender issues. And I really felt that um, I was penalised and my chances of success was not the same simply because I am a woman. And so I became deeply passionate about changing that and kind of rewriting the story and rewriting the way business is done and, um, you know, and how we can bring in diversity and better support, especially for women. And so, I started One Roof eight years ago. Um, I had a co-founder at the time. We started with networking events. We started just kind of testing ideas and then really um, jumped on the trend, the growing trend of co-working and the interest that people were having in better supporting women. Like that was becoming much more of a conversation around women in business. And so we, yeah, tested the idea in a, in a pop-up um, in an Airbnb home. It became a one-week pop-up co-working space that was very successful and have continued to build it out since then and and it became the leading co-working operator for women-led businesses in Australia Um, but then we were forced to pivot a couple of years ago so it's morphed and changed a lot over the years but the
0: underlying mission has always been the same. So those of you who've not attended the One Roof community events Highly recommend that you attend them now and please go to the next event. They are like a powerhouse and you get so much from them. Networking is just a part of it, but then the learning and meeting the kind of mentors who come there is like mm. amazing. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so um a lot of things changed um because of COVID. Were there any changes which um you know one roof had to go through because of COVID?
1: Um one roof completely changed. Uh, did a
0: full 180 and
1: my whole world changed. So as I said, One Roof was a co-working operator for women-led businesses. We had an amazing space in South Bank with 180 tenants and a beautiful event space and about 200,000 people in and out of the space every year. I'd raised capital and had a group of incredible investors and an advisory board and had big plans to grow this kind of co-working empire and set up spaces for women all across the country. Then as COVID, um, as the pandemic started happening, we were forced to, we were evicted from our um, premises in South Bank. So literally overnight, I went from million, million dollars in revenue to zero, lost all my members um, and um, had investors kind of saying, well, what business have we invested in? Like where, you know, what's going on here? And so I had signed a heads of agreement on a new premises and was really stressed about kind of opening that up and, you know, bringing, getting the community back and making sure that things didn't fizzle and we kept our our members and, and built up the revenue again. And then when COVID, like when we went into lockdown, everything went on hold and, um, I I very quickly realised I had to make a decision. Um, I was holding money from investors. I had agents calling me every day saying, you know, you've signed a heads of agreement, we need to keep going, you need to pay a security deposit. Um, And I made the very difficult decision to say no to all of it. I returned the capital to my investors. I walked away from um, that premises and that deal and I completely pivoted the business to a digital membership for women leaders and entrepreneurs, which was just adapting to the times. Everybody was going online. Everyone was using Zoom. And so I just went with that and literally rebuilt the business from the ground up with a $5,000 grant from the city of Melbourne.
0: Wow. What a journey. So tell us something, that, you know, tell us that one learning from your life or through the experiences you went through. And that has really helped you become the person you are today.
1: Um, I think there's so many things. Uh, I would say, I want to say a couple of things. One is that adaptability point. Um, I think, especially with the pandemic, we've all probably felt it now that you, you know, persistence is crucial in building a business and being an entrepreneur. Um, but you also need to be open and ready and willing to Adapt. You need to kind of be watching the macro trends, be seeing consumer behavior, just be like aware of things that are happening. You know, a lot of business owners are currently experiencing. Um, challenges with the economy and inflation and changes in consumer behavior and people freaking out about the cost of living and so you've got to be ready to respond to that and not be so stuck in one direction particularly if that direction isn't working at the end of the day there's a greater vision and mission and movement that most people build their business around and that usually doesn't change for me over the eight years of building one roof that's never changed but the business model and how we do do it And the way that we make money has changed over time. And I think you've got to be very adaptable. Um, the other thing I would say that I discovered is I realised at some point in my life that, that um, I used to think, Successful people never felt fear. And it really plagued me because I was scared of public speaking and I, you know, got nervous and shy and all these like had a lot of self doubt and imposter syndrome. And I thought that I couldn't be successful because I felt those things. And when I realized, when I had the epiphany that, of course, successful people feel scared, feel afraid, experience imposter syndrome. In fact, the more successful people are, usually the more they experience that imposter syndrome. That's helped me to. Um, be able to channel my own fears and self-doubt and use it for good and really um, hit my own fears head on Um, and I would just say to others remember that like it's we all battle with self-doubt and insecurities and um, having those feelings doesn't mean that you can't be successful it's about channeling those feelings and using it to to and, and and feeling the fear and doing it anyway that's always been my favorite saying.
0: Right. So, you know, women in particular face a lot of challenges and um, being an entrepreneur takes it to another level. And, you know, it's a very different ballgame altogether for women to be entrepreneurs. So what are some, you know, you deal with so many women, given the kind of community you build up. What are some unique set of challenges which uh, female founders face?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Um, Funding is a big one. And unfortunately, what we've seen um, recently is that the funding gap is going backwards. And so in the last four years in Australia, um, women-led businesses used to receive 3.8% of VC funding. That's now gone down to 0.7% with some VC funds... um, having not invested in a single women-led or you know, um, solely women-led or women co-founded business in the last four years. And when we talk about women of colour, that number goes down to I think 0.03, like it's just dismal. So um, funding, raising capital, getting getting that leg up in order to kind of um go hard and go fast in scaling your business is very, very challenging for women. Um, and, you know, generally people are finding it hard to raise capital and then you throw a woman in the mix and then you throw a woman of colour in the mix and it's just like, it's, it's seemingly impossible, um, which is just not, it's just, we've got to change that. The other things are, I would say, networks. So, um, you know, I think success is often, um, supported with your network and having a very strategic network who can help you and connect you to potential investors, potential customers and clients and collaborators and experts. And when you have the right strategic strategic network around you, that will lead to um, better chances of success. Women are just so often left out of decision-making circles, um, clubs and circles of influence. You know, if we're mums um, or primary carers, we often don't have the capacity to go to networking events um often deals are kind of made after hours or you know at a at a bar drinking a scotch and written on a napkin women are often not there having those conversations so we miss out on deals because um, we're not in those circles, and we're not we're not building a strategic network that we need to. Um, and then, of course, there's other things like the cost of childcare and the fact that women are often the primary carers of children or of elderly, um, and and all of that time and effort is not acknowledged um, financially, and so. You know where, yeah, and then just societal kind of expectations that we place on women, who what we see to be um, typical leadership, um, and so often what people will say is, um, what investors will say is, a, a male walks into the room and and their default is what kind of entrepreneur will he be, and a woman walks into the room and their default is can she be an entrepreneur, and that's what we've got to battle with.
0: That brings me to my next question about work-life balance, you know. So, what do you do to maintain your work-life balance? And what is it that, you know, these women entrepreneurs can do well, or how is it that they can maintain a work-life balance so that they can like juggle both the things um equally well?
1: Mm, well, firstly, I'll say it's a constant journey and I don't always get it right. And having Recently, had my second child, who's only five months old. It is very hard to get time for yourself um, and to create that work-life balance. But um, in order to achieve it, and it is very important for our health and our well-being and for our businesses and leadership, I think a few things. Number one is you need to find um, time for yourself or time out of the business. I think as a business owner, the greatest ideas, um, the greatest you know, uh, the best creativity, the um, the visions will come when you're not stuck in the detail of the business and doing the grind and just being busy for busyness' sake. So we all need to find ways to take time out, and we need to see that as crucial to business success. So it's not like oh, right now I'm just going to, you know, not look at my emails for the day, spend time with my children, hang out, go to the playground um, with them or go for a swim or whatever it is. That's not me being lazy and, you know, um, how dare I take time for myself, which I should do anyway. But that's also me taking time out of the business to be able to think, to be able to reflect and ask those important questions. So I think that's really crucial. The other thing is Um, help and support is everything to help us create work-life balance we need to be asking our partners our parents our you know um, uh, getting more kind of paid help if we can afford that you know often I, I talk to people who can afford the paid help but they feel guilty taking the paid help because they yeah. should be doing it themselves like we need to not be feeling guilty we need to acknowledge that guilt is just part of our biology and conditioning and so I don't even know why exactly what it comes from but for some reason women feel so guilty about you know so many things and so acknowledge it and then not let that impact our ability to to have some kind of work-life balance or some kind of work-life fluidity or whatever it is people want to call it because if we're operating from an empty cup. We cannot be good leaders. We cannot build businesses. We cannot make good decisions.
0: Right. Now, is there any challenge that you personally have faced as an entrepreneur or um, apart from the work-life balance?
1: Um, I think I would say, <laughs> I mean, so many things, but I would say probably one of the hardest things for me has been I like to please and I want to do right by everyone. And I think, and and a lot of women will resonate with that. And I think the hardest thing for me has been when I've had to make hard decisions that has meant some people, you know, are not happy with that, or I haven't been able to please everyone, or, you know, it's, and, and that is a really difficult thing for us people pleasers. But um, at the end of the day, I have learned a lot and grown a lot from making decisions that I know are right for the business. You know, if that's having to let an employee go, um, having to make the decision to return the capital to investors, um, having to make the decision to pivot from, from a co working um, operation to a digital membership. I mean, My investors were incredibly disappointed. They they didn't give me money so that I would just give it back to them. They gave me the money to create a vision and to to do all the things that I said that I would. So they were incredibly disappointed and that was very difficult for me to handle and stomach and I felt an immense sense of failure. But in the end, it was so right for the business. It was so right for me and my stage of life. I felt immense sense of relief when I made that call. And so I think it's just... Um, knowing that along the journey, you're going to fail, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to have to make decisions that won't please everyone. But, at the, but when you feel in your gut that it feels right or you feel a sense of relief at the thought of a decision, you've got to follow that because it's the right call, even when it's the hardest.
0: Uh, you know, when you started talking, I was just about to say that, you know, there's a very thin line or between, you know, what's right and what's right for me. And it's really hard to take the call. And sometimes it can be like even harder because you're a woman entrepreneur. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so what are your plans for the future of One Roof um, and the business? As yes. A
1: community? Yeah, good question. So we're really um, existing at the intersection of um, building community that. That um, has both the human element, where you know, as a One Roof member, you get access to people providing you with business support and a welcome call and networking and um, kind of coaching calls, and so you get that kind of human interaction element at the same time as building an online education platform. So we're, we're actually in the process of rebranding and, and um, moving our members next year to a new portal. And I really want that portal to be like the Netflix of professional development for women leaders and entrepreneurs so that you can go onto this portal, you can kind of, let the portal know what stage of business you're at, what, you know, are you looking to raise capital? Are you just launching your business? Are you looking to get to to, to grow, scale overseas? And then we really target the resources and support for you and we're going to have lots of... Um, online mini courses. We're going to have lots of masterclasses. We're going to have lots of experts that you can book calls with. And so, you'll get this really tailored experience. And I'm just really excited to be able to grow that. And I hope that we can, you know, keep growing our membership. We already have um, a national footprint, Um, but, you know, there's nearly 700,000 women-led small businesses in Australia. Um, and that doesn't include startups. And so there's a huge pool of people there that we can reach. So I'm really excited about what we can do and the impact that we can have.
0: Do you have any plan to um, bring in like more IRLs in place? Because, you know, I, I've been to the events and, you know, I know how you're bombarded with the questions that is there somebody in Perth? Is there, you know, are there people in NT? Are there people in Jazzy who we can, you know, reach out and meet?
1: Yes. So we've just launched an ambassador program and we're just training up the ambassadors at the moment. So they're all One Roof members. There's about 25 of them. They're all around Australia. We will continue to um, add more ambassadors to different as we try to Create, you know, have more in different locations. And they will be running in person member meetups throughout the year. And we've given them kind of training and upskilling on how to run a member meetup, um, how to connect people, how to make it a really meaningful gathering. Um, and we're just hoping to have um, more and more ambassadors in rural, regional, remote areas, as well as in major cities so that we can be supporting women. In, in no matter where you are around Australia. And then, of course, a lot of what we do is online as well, so that there's the in person, but then there's also the virtual element, so that people can access our masterclasses from anywhere and re watch them in our library anytime. So we try to have both the in person and the virtual.
0: Got it. Um, so, you know, given that the community is now increased so much and you're, you know, planning to take it even further. Are there any obstacles that, you know, stand in your way and how is it that you overcome them?
1: Um, Look, I think probably the biggest obstacles at the moment are um, the changes in consumer behavior in the sense of, you know, there's a lot of kind of um, fear at the moment. There's a lot of conversation about the economy, about inflation, about the rising costs of things, people wanting to cut. Um, their own personal costs people not wanting to spend as much people fearing kind of are we going into a global recession so I think it's those macro trends that that create the and the fear the fear mongering and that's also very much in the startup world at the moment when you're talking about raising capital and everyone's coming oh god can you raise at the moment so I think it's that um that makes it hard and and that's where we need to just always be watching observing are people still happy networking online and using zoom do we need to move to a different platform do we need to make everything in person again is everybody just gonna are we gonna go back into lockdowns again like we're kind of that's that's what goes on in the background that we're always dealing with. Um, so they're the biggest challenges. But I would say that's always there. And at the end of the day, it's important to know and, as I said, be adaptable to it. But you've got your, you know, when you've got your vision and your mission, we know what we're doing. Like I, I am so committed. I wake up in the morning. All I care about, apart from my children and family, is how do I best support women in business? Like how do I close the gender gap? How do I how does One Roof become, you know, big kind of instrumental in, in um, making a difference? And ha- how we do it, I don't really care, um, you know. But also I need it to be successful, viable business that pays me a salary. Like there, there's always those things that go on as well um, and to support my team. Um, yeah, so there's plenty of challenges.
0: <laughs> you have an incredible team really to support you. What, Like hats off to those women. Uh, given, you know, that you have such a large community and you've not just been able to, you know, keep them together as a group, but you've also grown so much um, and, you know, all this happened during COVID. So, you know, what kind of marketing do you use to bring people together? Because without, you know, marketing, it's really hard to make uh, people feel that, okay, this is what is the difference which one group is making.
1: Mm, yeah, so I'm going to give a shout out here to a One Roof member, Mia Fileman, who runs Campaign Del Mar and she really changed our perspective on marketing and it's all about campaign marketing. So the idea is that we um, set up our, our whole year and we've already planned out 2023 with our events and our mm-hmm. masterclasses and we do campaigns around all of that. And a, and a campaign is a really well thought out kind of six week Um, experience where across all our socials, our email database, our paid ads, our PR, um, everything that we're doing is based around a particular campaign, you know, whether that's International Women's Day or whether that's a big conference we're putting on or an end of financial year discount or, you know, Christmas gifting ideas. And so that has really helped us to create good marketing that that converts basically um and so there's you see the consistency across the socials you see the focus and it's it's there's a lot of um thought and preparation that goes into building out those campaigns they don't cost much money you know it's and we've never really put much money into our marketing we we have done paid ads but nothing like we've probably spent not even 10 grand in a year on paid ads ever so like it's very low cost marketing um and it's just smart clever ways of doing it it's all about coming up with creative ideas and then being consistent and having all of your social media platforms and um every kind of touch point where somebody might find out about your brand is talking about that marketing campaign for that period of time
0: I mean, there's nothing like organic word of mouth, but I'm still going to ask, is there any particular social media channel that your team is obsessed with or sees the most uh, value coming in from?
1: I'd say Instagram. Instagram's a big one for us um, and we're always sharing kind of educational resources as well as, you know, um, profiling our members and um, talking about things going on in the ecosystem and, you know, giving a lot of value on Instagram and also being very honest. I'm often sharing challenges that I face as a business owner, things going on in the community. Um, So, yeah, Instagram. But then I'd say LinkedIn as well has its own kind of place, particularly for thought leadership and it targets a different kind of network. Um, But yeah, I think our biggest conversions, I know our biggest conversions would come through Instagram.
0: Okay, awesome. So, um, you know, how do you think one group distinguishes from the other community groups or what is your unique selling point?
1: Yeah, so I would say it is very much we, we've we worked out the sweet spot between how to leverage automation, online education um, to scale. So to be able to have a, um, a membership that can have 10,000 plus members at the same time as keeping it Personalize, And I think, you know, as a, as a OneRoof member, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Barty, it's like you don't want to sign up to a membership and just feel like another number. You don't want to get lost. You don't want to, you know, just go into a, an online resource and never talk to anyone. You need that personalization, And so I think we've done a really good job of from the moment someone signs up to the membership, you know, they get a welcome call with our team. They can join um, a networking call every Monday they get this beautiful welcome pack sent to their home yeah, or office um we've got those kind of nice surprise and delight elements to it um, but yeah it's personalized and then members can jump on calls with our team whenever they want um, if they're feeling lost if they're feeling disengaged if they've got a question if they want an uh, you know a, a warm introduction or um, some support our team is there as like concierge or kind of customer service support in, in a in a deep meaningful way so I would say it's that sweet spot between those two things that um, some memberships or groups, Struggled to realize or find the way to integrate both
0: and plus you know you've been so um I would say reachable like I remember you were just about to go you know and deliver your second baby and I called you just a few days before and you were like yeah happy to do the call let's chat and that was like amazing I'm like wow she's still taking calls
1: yeah I, I love it and I do it because I love it and I do it because I want to help our members and I want to help women and often, yeah, even now, like with ACE, um, calls work really well for me because I can go for walks and still take those calls. So I I love, like, it's what fills up my cup. So it's easy for me.
0: Right. okay. Now, um, you know, you said that COVID changed the way one group for the community worked. It's completely changed, you know, from being a physical location to, you know, being a digital membership. um But, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who were your members back then um are still your members and are, are a part of community. So has, what's the kind of impact COVID has had on women entrepreneurs? Has it been positive? Has it been negative? Or like it's a combination of both.
1: It's a combination of both. And it kind of depends on the stage of business they're at, the type of industry they were in and just how they responded to, you know, where in Australia or the world they were and then how they responded to the lockdowns and everything that came with COVID. So, you know, I think for some members it was very challenging, particularly if they had very young children at home and they were homeschooling, if they had partners who were, you know, in... um, or if they, yeah, if they have partners working in like the medical profession who had to kind of keep working and they were, were bound at home looking after children, it was very hard to focus on the business. For some members, um, you know, their businesses went gangbusters because they were already online, um, particularly like gift delivery services or, um, you know, online kind of brand, e-commerce brands did so well during COVID, which was yeah. great for them, I think. Some people are still kind of dealing with the trauma and the PTSD of lockdowns, um, particularly people in in Victoria, in Melbourne. Um, so, and and I think then some um, found that COVID, yeah, was great for them. Things, you know, they got to slow down, they got more time with kids, they got more time at home, they really got to reassess their life and their outlook and it's been very positive. Some people I think are struggling more now with the change in the economy because also a lot of people were boosted with job keeper and job seeker and, and, you know, government grants. And so as that's dried up, it's now feeling the challenge and interest rate rises and so on. Um, so it's been really varied. It, it really has. Um, but I think overall it's just meant that people um, are working from home more, they ha- there's more accessibility, people are more comfortable. If, like, you know, you're not well, it's fine to take a Zoom call instead, it's fine to run an online event instead of doing it in person. Like, I think all of that's been really positive um, and allowed all of us to find other ways to build our businesses that that um, I think is great for women generally, like can be really great for women, um, but everybody has their unique experience of how they've had to deal. And, and you know, there is a whole conversation of like the SHE session and the challenges that COVID presented for women specifically being primary carers. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that, that most women probably found it very tough during the height of the pandemic um, and there were added uh, burdens and challenges on women um, that was disproportionate. And that's, yeah, it's been, that's been a lot for people to deal with.
0: Right. Um, you know, given that, the com- I'm, you know, I keep saying that given that the community has grown so much, but then, you know, I'm obsessed with One route. So, you know, after a point of time, uh, it gets harder and harder to be innovative if you're doing the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Though, you know, the business has seen its um, ups and downs and a complete 180 um, turn. How do you guys manage to stay creative and innovative and accomplish whatever you are achieving?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I love what I do. So that's what makes it, you know, and I think that it's so important for business owners and entrepreneurs to check in on that. Like if you're not finding a sense of joy at least every so often in what you're doing, you've got to question whether what you're whether you're in the right place um so yeah at the end of the day I just love and believe so strongly in the mission that all the hardest moments and I feel like there've been some really dark moments for me with One Roof and I've felt like I've really struggled I've been very stressed I've been very anxious I've had a lot of tears I've made a lot of mistakes like things that have been hard at times like really really hard and I've really battled with moments of should I give up? Like it's there's been a lot of that um, and I think, yeah, what's kept me going is just the love for the, the community, what I do every so often hearing someone say thank you and wow, Sheree, like this is an amazing community, look what you've created and here's how it supported me and those little words of encouragement really help. Um, and when I talk to women as well about the challenges, like I had a couple calls this morning with different One Roof members to talk about help them in their businesses and the challenges that they're facing. And when I hear them talk about how hard it's been, that also motivates me because I just I just want women to feel as supported as they, they can be in order to make good decisions and build successful businesses and, and you know, live, live great lives. So I'm always just focused on the greater mission beyond myself and beyond the day-to-day challenges that I face.
0: I think you've already answered, but I'm still going to ask you, anyways. What's your favorite aspect of owning a business?
1: Yeah, it's it's it is it's the flexibility. Um, you know, I work really hard. Like I just that is in my bones. It's who I am. But at least like I can still choose the hours of how and when I work I think it's a fallacy that people think you start a business and you're going to have all this time and flexibility and it's going to be all fun and easy and it's damn hard and you probably work harder than if you were an employee but um I love it I love what I do I I you know I tell myself that I'm employable because I feel better saying it but I actually don't know if I am like I, I just don't know if I could <laughs> ever go and get a job again I, I don't know what that would look like um and I love the creativity of being a business owner I love that it's like you know the, the buck stops with me which is always hard and I'm put in uncomfortable situations and I'm you know I've never been taught how to be a leader or a manager how to hire how to fire how to do performance reviews like that's all incredibly difficult Um, but yeah, I love that I have the freedom to come up with ideas and if something's not working, we can say, okay, that didn't work. Let's do the next thing. And I I just, there's so much creativity in what we're doing. Um, and I find that it's really exciting and it's like, we keep changing direction like we've changed direction so many times in the eight years of building one roof and I think for some people that can sound incredibly frightening and like terrible and you know people don't like change. I think I've become very accustomed to change although I say that and I'm like please don't change again right now I need a break from change <laughs> but um yeah I think I'm just well aware that it's very much a part of the process. Okay
0: do you have any advice for people looking to start their own business?
1: Yeah. I would say do not spend your life savings on starting a business ever. Just don't do it. Like do not know the level of risk appetite you have and how much you're willing to put in financially into a business. And once you reach that threshold, you just have to find smart, creative ways to keep going. And that might be raising capital. That might be just focusing on sales until you get more money in before you can do the next thing. That might be coming up with really Uh, creative lean economical ways of testing ideas and that's how I built One Roof like we never had the funding in order to set up a co-working business so there was no way I could do that it was all based on testing on sourcing cheap furniture on getting friends and family to help me build things um it was a very DIY scrappy uh you know, process of building Lune Roof, and I'm really proud of that. And there's been plenty of mistakes and I look at our website and I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things that need to change. But I'm proud because I haven't spent stupid amounts of time and energy and money trying to perfect things when you think it's perfect and then you test it in the market and the market says something else. So I think always go back to testing to the with the market and do not spend your life savings on um, building a business. If you have Ow. life
0: savings. Okay, okay. Now, before we head to our rapid fire round, how is it that uh, the listeners can join One Roof or be, become a part of the community?
1: Yeah, so you can go into our website, Um, You can have a look at um, the masterclasses and events we have coming up. You can find out more about the different member benefits. You can join on a monthly or annual plan. Um, and then yeah, you can also have a look at our Instagram. We're very active there. If you're not ready to become a member, we usually offer most of our masterclasses just for a cost. So you can always try it out by paying to, to join a masterclass um, or attending an in-person event. Um, or just send me an email, Sheree at weareoneroof.com. I'd love to chat and connect and offer any feedback and can tell you more.
0: Awesome. Now let's head to our rapid fire round and you don't get much time to think. This one word answers. When are you most productive? Morning or evening? Evening. Awesome. Sunrise, sunset?
1: Sunset.
0: Okay. Uh, what's the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them?
1: Um, how warm, like their kind of warmth
0: Okay. Uh, Describe yourself in five words. Oh,
1: God. Okay. Um, Personable, passionate, uh, warm, um, um, loving, and inspiring.
0: Awesome. And um, what's your hobby?
1: I love to play games, card games, board games. Settlers of Catan is my all time favorite game. Um, But yeah, I just love games.
0: Okay. Now, uh, what recording, what according to you is the best way to learn uh, theory or practical knowledge?
1: Practical knowledge any day. Okay.
0: And what motivates you the most?
1: When I see a woman do something that she never thought that she could or that she stepped out of our, her comfort zone to do, um, I that's that's everything for me.
0: Okay. And the last one, and we ask this to each and every one of our guests, um, one or two uh, pieces of technology that you cannot live without. It could be an app. It could be like a social networking platform. could be anything.
1: I'm just gonna look at my phone to see what comes up um I would say I think oh, what would I say slack is like amazing uh, for yeah. you know us being able as a as a team to communicate um and then I would say probably our google drive which is where we have all of our folders set up and you know the team can see everything and that's just a really ordered kind of um yeah a way of us being able to order all everything going on in the business so I love google drive
0: awesome awesome cool thank you so much for your time today it's been a pleasure having you on the show thank you so much
1: thanks Bharti great to be here